You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 3, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by supporting partners, One Day, TIS Insurance, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more about this podcast at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, a senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We have an awesome guest on today, a longtime listener, longtime friend. David Hopkins is on the program today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, guys. I can't tell you what an honor it is to be on here, following both of your careers and just knowing you for as long as I have. It is truly an honor that you guys selected me to be on. I appreciate it. Yes, and uh, we've been friends for many years. You have been uh, an executive director in the industry. You've given uh, your passion, your career uh, to this. And you know what? I, I love, there's so many things that I like about your style. You're, you're a, I say this with the utmost respect, you're a rule breaker, but in the best possible way. And here's what I mean by that is that you don't follow the status quo and you are a bridge builder. Um, you don't, you don't lay out these lines and say, Peep, you're on this side, I'm on this side and I'm just going to keep my head down. You're a unifier and a bridge builder. And so those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today. You know, Josh, um, I, I know that you guys were in attendance recently to the Florida assisted living, uh, virtual conference. And David was, uh, the honorable keynote, uh, speaker to open up the entire conference and so let's dive into that, David. Um, and first of all, you're, you're welcome to give any sort of introduction to your, yourself and your career if you want to. Sure. Uh, so originally from Massachusetts, uh, born and raised, grew up in Cape Cod, uh, came to Florida as quick as I could, um, worked for Walt Disney World, was an entertainment and performer, and then got my leadership training from them and uh, was very blessed by that. Got to meet my wife. Got married at Disney. We have two kids, still reside in the Central Florida area. Um, been in senior living for about five years in the working capacity, uh, but overall have walked that family journey about five times with four grandparents and my dad um, and said I would never work in senior living. And God has a funny way of saying, hmm, I think that's exactly where you need to be. So uh, through some fate and twists, I had been in healthcare for a number of years. Uh, as a director of operations, reached out to a community that had posted for an executive director, um, said, I don't have a senior living experience, but I do have a lot of leadership and think I could bring something unique. Uh, interviewed on a Monday, got hired on a Wednesday, and uh, started working there and, and haven't looked back since. I think for somebody like me who has ADD and loves to jump from project to project and is so all over the place, this is a perfect industry for us because I can jump from culinary to marketing to financial and activities back into clinical care. And it's just, you know, that's within the first hour of your day as everything starts to get rolling in the community. So I love it. I can't imagine a different career. I encourage everybody to check it out and love that passion around it. That's so cool. Um, and thank you. You know, you've been one of our original and first supporters at Bridge the Gap since the beginning, been a friend personally to me and Lucas, and uh, not only at a professional level, but at a personal level, it's really fun to have you on the show. It's been um, just a long time coming, and I, I had the privilege of being able to attend recently 
uh, the Florida Senior Living Association, where you did do the opening keynote and you did a fantastic job. Um, you talked about a lot of things. We're hopefully going to give our listeners today just kind of a a shorter version of that, very condensed. Obviously, we don't have time to go into all of it, but could you kind of take us on the on the journey um, that you took the the audience and the listeners on during that show for those that didn't have the opportunity to listen in? Absolutely. So, you know, the, the biggest thing that I had in my talk in Rediscovering the Magic of You is really just a, a, an affirmation for people in senior living. This is a unprecedented, unparalleled time in our, in our industry and in the world. We have pressures from not only uh, federal governments, state governments, corporate organizations, families, residents, employees. And at the center of it all, we have to take care of them, right? Everybody's different. The employee need is different. The resident need is different. The family need is different. I mean, never been into this kind of an environment where we had to prohibit family visits. Uh, you know, that's obviously the worst thing we can do with people with dementia right now. And, and just telling people in senior living, you're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. But we can get through this together, and it's going to be a lot easier. You know, one of the stories I shared is my first time into senior living. So I'm not even a month old into this. Um, I was in a community, uh, a town, city area. And they were for assisted living, all owned by different owners. And, um, you know, kind of trying to feel out the whole landscape and what was going on. So I finally just reached out to the executive directors and I said, I'd love to buy you breakfast. And they were a little skeptical, agreed to it. We met at our local restaurant for breakfast. And when they all sat down, it was very, you could tell by the nonverbal communication, what is he after? What is he trying to take from me? The protection and walls were up, defenses, high alert. It was just like, I'm ready for battle. And I think it was the first time the four communities ever sat at a table before because I said to him, I said, look at guys, I know this is a siloed industry. Let me steal your resin so I can get the move in. I said, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not doing that. I refuse to. I will, in fact, pick up the phone and call you if one of your residents comes into my building to tour. And I had to do that two months later. And it took a while. And, you know, they were very skeptical coming out of the meeting. But I would follow up with phone calls and emails. We ended up meeting quarterly for breakfast because it's a lot easier than trying to get out for lunch. Um, and I said, you know, we're going to work together because if one of you fails, they're not going to title it, the community name, you know, did this. They're going to say senior living. And, and I'm part of that. So I need you to succeed as well as I need to succeed. And in fact, two months later, I had a resident come through and re- pick up the phone and I toured the gentleman around and uh, his big complaint was meatballs. He couldn't get a good meatball. And so I picked up the phone and I called the executive director and she's like, I told him we're changing the meatballs next month. I'm like, forget about next month. Go down to Publix, buy some meatballs and get this guy some meatballs. Literally, this is your move out is over a meatball. And they did that and they saved the resident. And she called me back, you know, a couple of weeks after they had kind of gotten through that storm of the meatball storm, kind of like cloudy with a chance of meatballs. And she said, thanks. I, I really didn't think you would do that. And I said, I gave you my word. I'm not breaking that for anything. And from there, you know, they had instances and they had a resident that would move down and they couldn't take them. 
And they would pick up the phone and call me and say, instead of sending this back out and, you know, letting the family scramble, we had partners in the industry where we said, oh, I can't take you because of X, Y, and Z, but I know this people can. So let me get you right over to there. And the family's like, wait a minute, you're sending me to the competition? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're going to take the better care of you. They have the license. They have the clinical expertise to, to handle that situation. And the families look at you going, that's strange. And I'm like, this shouldn't be strange. Having been a family member, having to make decisions, not only, you know, I talked about losing my dad and having to get that call in the middle of the night that he's being sent to the hospital and having to go through that journey of five days in an ICU and asking a nurse to step in and be my hero because I was going to doubt everything I was making on that decision. And sure enough, it, when I removed life support, it took them over seven and a half hours to pass. I was so exhausted. And I was doubting every hiccup and cough that goes through that. And it was tremendous burden on me and my family. And he didn't end up passing till two o'clock in the morning. But that nurse, John from ICU, stepped in. He reassured me, told me what he was doing. Come to find out later, we got to be friends. He was just come back from vacation. He was looking for an easy night. It was a Wednesday at midnight. And it wasn't a Wednesday for me. It was the day I was removing life support from my dad. And he stepped right into that hero location for us. And, and we together as senior living can do that for each other because we're not in it alone, right? Everybody is facing this pandemic. Everybody's facing pressures of a, immense uh, magnitude from move-ins and move-outs and just overall well-being for our residents. It's so hard. We don't need to do it together. Well, you touched on a couple of things, David, um, that I want to point out um, that I'm so thankful for you touching on in your keynote as well as today in your first story, which was, um, I think, touches on the issue of trust and transparency, uh, transparency, where you were able to break down the barriers that existed even among what some would call your competitors. And I think that's really, we've talked about this, Lucas, on this show um, over the past couple of years, that is something that I think our industry uh, really needs more of. And I think the consumer, which is the resident and the rent resident's family, needs more of that from us. Mm-hmm. And um, that also, that story you shared illustrates that. And it's uh, it's amazing, you know, how oftentimes I think we get into that competitive spirit and we kind of forget why we started. And I know you touched on that um, in your keynote as well and that why. And ultimately, if we go back to the why, um, that's what keeps us in the, in the space. And that should lead us to building trust and transparency for the ones that we're going to lead in, in teams as well mm-hmm. as the, the residents and their families that we're going to care for. And, um, so I love that you, you touched on that. I think we need more of that. And, you know, Lucas, you and I have talked about this with some, uh, some other thought leaders on the show, like David, where it's amazing how little as an industry of the age and income qualified people across the country that need our services that were, are actually even living in our, in our communities. So if we did a better job helping each other, help our residents uh, with their unique situations, there's more 
residents out there than our industry currently has the capacity to care for, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and talking about the why, Josh, you know, so many people watch Simon Sinek's TED Talk. I mean, it's amazing, right? Why? And he reconstructed that of why Apple's more successful because it was around the passion and why they did things, not what they did. And for our organization and for senior living, it's just, that's what we breathe every day. Yet most of our organizations out there will take that and say, oh, here's my why. That was a great buzzword. And then it goes onto the shelf and we forget about it. But that why is how we make decisions. It's how we justify ourselves. It's how we measure ourselves. Are we being successful? My why is to create, you know, an overwhelming, extraordinary experience for people who are retired or engaging in a memory care walk or dementia. If that's your why, that's how you need to judge it. How are you being successful around that? Is your measurable? I love that. You um, give our listeners too. So you touched on some leadership principles that. Um, I thought were really cool that Disney instilled in you that you tried to instill in your teams um, and how they approach kind of the, the experience I would refer to it. That may not have been the correct way. I don't have my notes in front of me, but you gave us some polls and some fill in the banks blanks. Can you touch on a couple of those that might be takeaways? Absolutely. So Disney, you know, really trained me well. In fact, when I got into leadership, um, we, the program at that time was called Apple core because you were the core to the Apple as a leader. Um, I spent six months in training. I had a senior manager that was my mentor and guide. I did classroom work every Friday. I had specific assignments I had to complete throughout the week, you know, and I worked all shifts. Disney's a 24 hour operation, just like healthcare and senior living. And so I was in with third shift, you know, hosing down sidewalks, getting the park prepared. I was pushing ice cream carts. You learn everything so that when you truly walk in as a leader, you're prepared. And Disney does that by not only, you know, their guest expectations is to exceed those. It's not to meet them because if you meet them, sometimes you fall short. If you exceed them, sometimes you fall short, but you're still meeting them, right? And it's gauging your guests as they come in. I gave the example of, you know, the dad and mom coming in with three kids and they're exhausted and their plane was delayed two times and They were planning to be there at three o'clock, have a relaxing afternoon, get dinner, go to bed early so they could be up early for the park. Well, they don't want a whole big song and dance when they get checked in. They want to get these kids to bed because they got a busy day tomorrow. They've probably got fast passes already arranged and they need to be exceeded by their expectations. So maybe that's a quick check-in, get the luggage there. What else do you need? Let me turn down the lights, close the blinds. The kids are in bed in a matter of an hour by the time they walk on the property. That's exceeding their guest expectations. And the way they do exceed guest expectations is they pay attention to the delivery detail. And that's the magic where it happens, right? So if you pull up to a community in senior living and we don't have a portico and you know your prospective resident is coming in to tour, do you have somebody standing by that door with an umbrella ready to run out and help them so that they can pull up somebody to park their car so that they're not getting wet. It's just a small little detail. So maybe they come in and they already had an umbrella. Do we have an umbrella bag for them to put it in? And let me hold that for you so you don't have to be troubled while you're touring around. Do you need the restroom right away? Were you driving up from a location far away because you want to be closer to your parents? 
or to your mom or to your daughter or son. And once you get here, oh my God, I've just spent the past hour and a half in the car. Give me a nice cold glass of water, especially here in Florida, right? Or a nice tea or a lemonade. Here's the restroom. Let's get you settled and cooled down before we start you on a tour. Those little attentions to detail is how you exceed your guest expectations. And then the way you service that in the delivery, and this is ingrained into me so much, I feel like if you cut me open, this would spill out in my blood with it. And that's the four principles of how Disney manages to deliver exceeding guest expectations and paying attention to the detail for delivery. And it's very simple. It's only four things. You know, I got into healthcare and there's these mission statements that are like three paragraphs long, a vision statement that's a paragraph and a half. And we've got 10 key principles and these pillars help you to know what to do. And I'm going, that's a lot of stuff. Disney only has four. And it's ingrained from the minute you hit traditions, your first day in to your uh, park or your hotel orientation, and then even into your um, division location. So if you're a housekeeper, they talk about it. Everything is constantly reinforced on these four things. And it's so easy and it transcends into healthcare that I still use it today. It's safety because that's always the first thing. Nobody wants to go to the unsafe assisted living or the unsafe skilled nursing location, right? Oh, let me look at those reviews. Nope, not that one. Let me go to the other one. And then it's courtesy because you have to be next. You have to take care of your guests. You have to treat these people like family. I tell everybody senior living is the only job or passion or career that you will ever have where your customer will come up and give you a hug or at 6.30 at night come knock on your door because they see your light on in your office and say, what are you still doing here? You have a family. Go home. I've never, I've worked at Disney World. That never happened to me. Never. This is the only industry that that happens at. So we have safety, courtesy. The next thing is show. It's about our environment. It's about that detail. It's about how your community looks, right? We've all pulled up to a community and seen that front garden bed with the sign in it and there's some pretty flowers in there. And then there's that one long weed that seemed to have got the miracle grow the best, right? And it's sprouting up. And when I was choosing a place for my dad, I'm like, man, they can't even garden. What makes them think they can take care of my dad? He's high maintenance. And that's the first pay attention to those details that we need to do in senior living and do a better job at. And then the fourth thing is efficiency. So it's safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. And this is where all my marketing folks out there start freaking out. What do you mean efficiency's last? It needs to be 20 emails a day and 10 phone calls and you need to have personal touches and let's create a special gift that we can send them to remind them that we're the best and that's where they need to move into. Those are all great. But if it, satis- if it sacrifices your safety, courtesy that you talk to people with and your environment that you're trying to create, it's going to work against you every time. And so many times do we hear that, you know, people are salespeople. We're not selling something. here. This is a lifestyle. This is a choice 
in my life that I only get one chance at to do it right. I'll tell you secretly, for me, this is a chance to make up for mistakes I made with my dad and my grandparents. Because I can see it coming and I can have hard conversations with people and say, I understand you think your mom is functioning, but she's in here for a reason. The dementia is taking hold. It's time for you to stop being a son or a daughter and be the parent. And this is something we never thought we'd have to do. But just like your kid, you wouldn't let them run out in traffic and play in there. We need to make better decisions for mom and dad right now because they're not making the best. And we want them to live and thrive with dignity. It's compelling. Very, very compelling. You know, Josh, I, I, I love those, those principles and um, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes cause I'm thinking it does, it transcends so many different things. Um, and it really illustrates the uh, kind of my thesis that has always been, which is the common thread that binds the people in senior living together, which is the people that do this work. Right, Josh? That's right. And, you know, I mean, so often, you know, everything you are touching on requires such an attentionality, such a, an awareness, uh, such planning, and such a centralized thought around uh, the care that you're going to provide, that environment, the safety, all of those things. Um, and I think so often we just get distracted uh, we allow excuses, we allow barriers, we allow just the monotony and the routine of the day to get in the way. So it's so great to have you remind us of that. You know, um, I'm curious to to know from you, putting you on the spot a little bit, David, leading so many teams like you, like you have, and I know you, you've come into environments maybe where this culture, you didn't create it, but you're trying to fix things. And what are some of the challenges or excuses or, or barriers that you have to break down to allow people to get into this type of mentality, into this type of thinking? Yeah. So a lot of the, you know, when you come into a different culture um, and you're, you're seeing it and you know there's an issue and you can feel it, right? We've walked into communities and you're like, wow, that's strange. That just doesn't feel right your residents and your guests and the family members pick up on that. There's a feeling. Sometimes that's the excuse, right? But they give is just didn't feel like home. Okay. There's a problem. We got to figure out what that feeling looks like for them. The cultures that you walk into and, you know, a lot of people will come in and they're like, so I just need to tell you, I'm a very direct and upfront leader. Okay, great. That might not work for everybody. You might scare some people off. Um, when I was in hospitals, I used to wear a suit. I was always a suit and tie kind of guy. And I started that with senior living until finally my, my uh, lead nurse pulled me aside. And she goes, you know, you're pretty intimidating when you wear a gray pinstripe suit with a red tie. I'm like, really? Like, I feel like I'm pretty approachable in my, my mannerisms, my dynamic and how I, I talk to people. I said, okay. So, you know, I've gone to this. There's times I'm in a polo shirt trying to be more approachable. And that's something that, that I know that I have to work on. But walking into a culture, you have to sense what's going on. Because if you don't know where you are, you don't know where you can go. And a lot of the times I use that kind of uh, Simon Sinek's TED Talk. We talk about what you do, 
We talk about how you do it. I provide care. I'm here from seven to three. I have 16 residents. I have 10 residents. I bathe. I get them up. I have to help feed. Okay, but why? You, you can go somewhere else, right? There's not a lot of senior livings out there that aren't hiring at this point in time. You could go down the street. You could go here. You could go to the hospital. Why are you here? Sometimes it's a job. Okay. Sometimes it's, I took care of my aunt. Okay. Now I've got something to sink my teeth into. And those are the people that I look for, especially even when I'm interviewing. I want people with a passion. If you're here for a paycheck, go to McDonald's, right? They're almost every week they're generating a paycheck. Senior living typically pays twice a month. This is an opportunity to change somebody's life. That's a much bigger than a paycheck. And if you walk into a culture where you're sensing things and you've got to dive in, then you've got to reinforce those four things. And that's usually where I start with. Listen, we're safe first, we're courteous second, we work on our show third, and then we'll worry about efficiency. And sometimes that frustrates people because we look at all the safety things first. Oh, we need to clean that up. We need an extra staff for this kind of a ratio that we have in memory care or assisted living. And once we get that and keep reinforcing that, and then you as a leader have to have those hard conversations. Why are you here? Are you being courteous to our residents? I was walking by the room. That's not really the way I want you to talk to Miss Betty. Is that the way you'd want somebody to talk to Miss your mom? And then having those coaching conversations ongoing. Uh, one of the things I said in my keynote is Disney went away from annual evaluation because most of the time, and I've been in healthcare, right? It's a one-time sit down with your boss. Here's how well you're doing. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize I was failing this bad. Or I don't think I'm, that's an accurate statement. And they're kind of blindsided. Disney went to, you should be having weekly conversations with your team. 20, 30-minute check-ins, take some notes, keep it going. So that when you come to time for an evaluation or a pay raise, you can sit down and go, hey, really good job, Lucas. You were knocking it out through November and December. I know you had to, you know, you had to go take care of your dad. He was in the hospital during that time in January, but you bounced back. And I appreciate you so much for spending the time in February when we had a hurricane and, and pitching in on that evening event. I just recapped Lucas's whole year in, in a matter of seconds instead of blindsiding him and just concentrating on the time that maybe he needed support. So it's really taking that ownership as a leader and getting to know each person individually because they're all going to respond individually. And for you as a leader, you need to know how you react. And, you know, I, I mentioned there's a bunch of personality tests out there. I'm licensed to do a couple of them, core and Myers-Briggs and Predictive Index. And these are all tools to help you understand you. I'll tell you, I took one a, a couple years ago and I hated it. I was mad. I didn't talk to the, to the facilitator for two months because I'm like, that's not me. I'm a strong commanding individual. I know what I'm doing. I'm business driven. And that wasn't. And it took a while for me to even evolve out of that later in my career to understand who I was. And once you do, you can lead much better because you'll know that if I need to talk to somebody who's a hard driving business result, sitting down and talking to their family about their family to them is not going to be successful. 
that's not a comfortable position for them. You have to meet them where they're at. Yeah. You know, David, uh, you're, I, Josh, this is going to turn into a two-part series. I think we need, <laughs> we're gonna, we need David back for sure. Um, I think I hope that this is the first of many conversations. So, um, with that being said, David, you know um, it, the the beautiful thing about the industry and the things you're talking about it's complicated. It's not just this kind of monolithic thing, um, and it requires a lot of people. And we've said that before. You know, we're better together. Um, so, in closing. You're on the front lines. You have been since for many years, but since day one of this pandemic. In closing, um, could you give a message to the rest of the people that are on the front lines and the executive directors, administrators that are out there and that have been doing this tirelessly for months on end? Absolutely. Guys, you're heroes. You have stepped into a industry that needs heroes. I gave the illustration, the Avengers. If you watch the first Avenger movie, it's a lesson in leadership. It's a lesson in support of your teammates. Originally, the Avengers got together and Captain America is pretty awesome and so is Iron Man and the Hulk. And they tried to fight individually and it wasn't successful. But as soon as they got organized and worked together as a team, They became the Avengers, and they saved the world. That's our job. We're the heroes. You're the heroes stepping in to people who need help and support to make a decision, whether it's your employees, whether it's your residents, whether it's your family members, or whether it's another executive director who is your competition down the road. Call them a partner and see how that changes your perspective. Because we're in this together. And together, we get through it. So awesome, man. I, I'm like, I'm about to go like tackle some tackle dummy here in my office or something. You just got me pumped up. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let's go out and avenge, man. This is great. Thank you, David, for taking time. Uh, we know that you're there at your community in Florida and uh, you're taking time this week uh, with us here at Bridge the Gap. Great conversation. I'm looking forward to the feedback from our audience and our listeners out there. And so everybody out there in senior living, just know that we're thinking of you, we're praying for you, and we're rooting for you. And thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. For a full library of episodes, merchandise, and the 2020 conference tour schedule, visit btgvoice.com. Join the conversation on social media by following at btgvoice, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode.